Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. So what happens in Lynchburg if you're caught drinking Jim Beam? And you've got to drink a shot and let the toe touch your lip. Just I want to, I would like to beat a bear in any eating contest. The rest of your life's about to be fun. Welcome back everyone to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And today we have Jed Lorette with us. He's the chief brand ambassador and official whiskey taster for Jack Daniels, a dream job for many. He's here to normalize our drinking habits and make me feel a little bit better about my Jack and Diet Coke obsession. Yeah, that's right. And he's also here to call out everybody that drinks hard seltzer. Yeah, but the thing is, Jed is very, uh, he's actually surprisingly accepting of those with less than socially acceptable drinking habits, mainly myself, which was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and Jed's actually, if you think of who would work at a whiskey distillery, Jed is like the spinning image of that guy. He embodies everything that Jack Daniels should be and everything that whiskey is I I think you know he's got the beard he j- he just looks like he looks like a good guy to have a cigar and a whiskey with yeah so speaking of drinking uh Tim what'd you do today oh well you know what today after work I had to get a COVID test uh because I'm leaving here in a few days it's funny I was actually in line drinking while I was waiting to get the COVID test well so hold on it was it was a self administered one so you you drive through and the nurse makes you do it yourself right correct and you didn't want her to get too close to you because I mean you know I had like two sips of beer but I didn't want her to like suspect anything I don't know I just it didn't seem appropriate for me to be like literally rubbing it in her face that you were intoxicated while getting your COVID test. Setting a great example for all the kids out there. Uh, You know what? After work on a Friday, yeah, I like to have a little beer and a little COVID test. There's nothing like a beer and a COVID (laughs) test after work on a Friday. There really is. If you want to just unwind, put your feet up, have a nice COVID test, little nasal, deep nasal swab, get that Q-tip just real deep up in there, have a few sips of beer. It's just nothing nothing wrong with that. It's very comforting. Yeah. Well, speaking of comforting, we are going to talk to Jed about one of my comfort foods, which is Jack Daniels. So let's get into it. All right. We'll see you on the other side. All right, Jed, welcome to No Blackout Dates. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you got quite a quite the background. I know you were in the Navy for quite a while and have been all over the world. And now you are a, for lack of a better term, a pro whiskey connoisseur. Uh, what? How'd you get into this and what brought about the career change? Um, well, this is home for me. I, uh, I came back to Lynchburg. I, I grew up here. A little background. My, my story began south of New Orleans. I, I was born in a little town called Homa, which is 55 miles south of New Orleans, right on the Gulf Coast. And uh, moved up here to Lynchburg in 1985 and uh, went to elementary school right here in town. And uh, after being gone, like you said, traveling the world, about 15 years, I came back home. Lynchburg being the home of Jack Daniels, a town of like 6,000 people, 
if you grew up there, I mean, how much does it permeate the culture? If you're, if you grew up in Lynchburg, are you just destined to develop a drinking problem? Well, no, the truth is y'all probably went to like petting zoos or something. And my first tour at the distillery was with the fourth grade elementary school. And so, yeah, yeah, it was just part of life. Like I lived about four miles north of here. And if the wind was blowing right, you could smell the mash in the air. You might not work at the distillery, but farmers get our mash to feed their cattle. So, I mean, you know, the whole town's influenced by the fact that we're here. In a good way, in a positive way. So what happens in Lynchburg if you're caught drinking Jim Beam? Uh, well, you don't stay long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to stay long, man. It's like, look, we're very yeah. we're proud of our product. Uh, the whole town, there's a sense of pride in the fact that Jack Daniels is made here. And we see people from all over the world, not only at the distillery, but if you go downtown and you're getting a pizza, you might be sitting next to a guy who's from Australia, you know, and it's it's a fun little place. Cool. I'm you know, so the the one thing I've always heard about Lynchburg and about the area there is how odd it is that Jack Daniels is made in a dry county. Is that what's what's the deal with that and how does it kind of play into the experience? We have no bars, taverns, pubs, liquor by the drink, no liquor stores. That's the truth. Uh, but a little a year ago, one of the people on the square, they petitioned for a beer license and they got approved. Okay. You can't just drink in public. It's a little piece of Americana, man. I mean, if you go down to the square, uh, the courthouse was established, I believe it was 1872. The county seat, I mean, was established in 1872. You know, about 13 miles north is a bar if you want to get a drink. 13.2 miles south is a liquor store. Yeah, we know exactly how far it takes to get there. <laughs> if you're not a whiskey drinker, what's your life going to be like in Lynchburg if you live there? I mean, do people just relentlessly haze you until you leave town? Look, I'll be honest with you, about half the population of the people who work here, and we have about 600 full-time employees, and this is a rough estimate. They just... They, they may not drink anything. Uh, it's not a requirement, but the job is extremely hard to get. Uh, like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory for adults. Yeah. Is it is it an aspiration if for a lot of people that grow up in that area to work at Jack Daniels in some capacity? I, I, I never thought I would leave the area. And I left. I never thought I would come back. Uh, like you had hinted to at the beginning. Yeah, I mean... My, my whole job was in technology. I, I helped build platforms and technologies for different groups of people and uh, working within the government. Mm -hmm. And I came back home and I thought I would move into the area and work a little further south. But, you know, different plans happened and I started working here and uh, I moved my way up. I'm senior brand ambassador. So yeah, I get to drink whiskey as part of my job. It sucks, man. The job's so hard. <laughs> How do you take your whiskey these days? What's the preferred method to drink? You know, that's that's great. You know, we hear stuff on the tour path. You get these these older gentlemen who think they have, you know, some sage advice to give everybody. If I didn't buy the bottle, I don't have a right to tell you how to drink it. So you should enjoy your whiskey the way you like it. Now. Um, some whiskey's better neat. You, you can taste a lot of great flavors just right in the glass with nothing. Some whiskey is better if you put ice and a little bit of water, it opens it up. It develops flavor. Uh, other whiskeys don't need anything. Like if, I don't know, have y'all had the liqueurs before? The honey, the fire, and the apple? Mm -hmm. 
I've had the fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really don't need to add anything to them. They're more of your beginning of the night when you're at the bar, you're buying rounds for all your friends. That's kind of how you start off the evening. Uh, it's just right there in the shot glass. You really don't need anything, but I like old fashions. I like Manhattans. I like rye on the rocks. Nice. And so now you should have fun with it. So what are your thoughts on mixing with Coke, Diet Coke, any judgment there or what? All right. First off, if you've ever made a Jack and Coke with Diet Coke, it's about to explode out of your cup. I don't know what it is in Diet Coke that causes it to foam up so bad, but I hate pouring Diet That's interesting because I, I do Jack and Diet Cokes all the time. That's like my go-to and I've never noticed that. So you're a risk taker. I like that. Oh, big one. Big one. What's the what's that saying? You only regret the chances you don't take. That quote must have been said by about uh, Jack and Cokes originally. Must have been. That's a good way to put it. I get so much shit for it for some reason, though, drinking Jack and Diets. It's, people are like, is that Diet Coke? It's like, yeah, I mean, it just tastes better to me for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> like a regular just red can Coca-Cola, you like the Diet Coke better? Yeah, I like the Diet Coke better. And I, you get less of a hangover, too, because it's less sugar. So... It's all very calculated. Yeah, let's blame that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the amount you drink. He's a risk taker or he's set in his ways and doesn't want to change. It's yeah. one of the, yeah, that's 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 yeah. also part of it. So Jack and Coke, yeah. I mean, look, it's iconic. It's the number one drink in the world. Um, I've landed in the UK, Germany, Dubai, Qatar, and when I say Jack and Coke, they know what I mean. They mean old number seven black label and a can of actual Coca-Cola. Now, do they get it right? time no but i like jack and coke uh our master distiller he likes jack and coke so how about some of your more higher end brands and when you're guiding through people through a tasting what are you trying to get somebody who's never tasted whiskey before to get out of the experience all right i'll tell you a story i had a i had a lady um she was with a whole family group there were 18 of them and uh, i get this i get this question a lot mainly from other guests that come to visit here um, she was 89 years old, teetotaler, didn't drink anything her whole life, but she was here because her 21-year-old great-granddaughter wanted to come to Jack as her experience, come to Nashville, come to Jack Daniels. She did the whole tour, and she said at the very end, very quietly, she said, Jed, I want to taste it. And I said, well, there's going to be whiskey. You can taste it. And she's like, but I've never sipped anything before. And I said, well, we're going to take it slow. It's not a big deal. And she tasted the higher end top shelf whiskey. Now, we start off that tasting at 80 proof and then we go to 90 proof and then we go to 94 proof. And I I can't remember what it was that day. But today, I think they were drinking 133 point something proof down to 94 proof. Now, this lady not having sipped anything before, she she was the person I was looking at. She was one of. 21 people in the room and I was only really focused on her because to be honest with you she was going to give me the best expression of what she thought about that whiskey because everybody else came with a bias she had no bias um started sipping the whiskey she sipped that whole flight and didn't make one face the whole time and uh, at the end of the tour she said that I appreciate how much effort y'all put into making a single bottle of whiskey I told her I said, the rest of your life's about to be fun. Yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. Fast forward five years and now she's a total yeah. alcoholic. That one tasting changed her life. Speaking of tours, though, I, I bet you get some interesting characters on these tours and, and tastings. I mean, 
I don't know how much you guys serve, but I've been on brewery tours where they say people literally pass out because they get too fucked up. Uh, I've seen some inappropriate stuff done to Jack's statue. Go on. <laughs> don't, we don't recommend you doing anything appropriate to Jack's statue. But we have bachelorette parties who come here, and it's always a good time. And a lot of times they've had way too much fun before they got here. What's a bachelor bachelorette party look like in Lynchburg, a town with no bars? Well, I mean, their whole goal is to come to Jack Daniels. And after that, they might go get a bite to eat, but they're in a party bus. Somebody's driving them down. Okay. And they're sipping whiskey or something on the way down, and they're going to sip on the way back. So the whole dry county thing doesn't really hurt their their buzz i guess so the distillery is the is the main event then of the trip well god it's not just the main event for the bachelor parties and the bachelorette parties but i mean we get people from all over the world pre-covid oh yeah we were seeing over three hundred thousand people in a town that we only have 600 that live in the town so i mean three hundred thousand people for that annual year i mean we're seeing thousands of people per day and we're walking them around, man. Do you worry that it might get over commercialized? That over tourism might kind of ruin the town's uh, historic character? Well, they, they close everything up at six. And there's a uh, believe, and I might be speaking out of turn, but they, uh, they kind of, we don't have any McDonald's in town. We don't have any Sonics or any kind of stuff like that. And so if it's not a mom and pop's, then it really isn't in town. So we're not worried about losing the integrity of what Lynchburg is. I apologize. I got the hiccups. You guys can't see, but Jed's absolutely chugging a bottle right now. He's going a little too fast. <laughs> but no, we're not We're not too worried. I mean, look, everything closes down at 6 o'clock. Like right now, the sun's down. We've got one traffic light for the entire county. And we're not on the way to anywhere. You mean to come here. You want to come to Lynchburg. I mean, you've got two major interstates, 24 and 65, and we're smack dab in the middle of both of them. So it's going to take you about 30 minutes to get off the interstate and get to us. And so, yeah, you mean to be here. And when you get groups from the UK, for instance, this is part of their trip. They fly into Atlanta. They're on their way to Nashville and they pull off the interstate 30 minutes one way just to go back to the interstate 30 minutes the other way to get back to Nashville. Have you noticed the nationality in particular that's the biggest drinkers that come to visit you guys? Like, is it, Brit is it Brits? Is it Germans? Uh, the UK consumes more of our Jack Daniels whiskey than any other nation in the world outside the United States. I will tell you, though, in the last couple of years in the summertime, we've been having a huge influx of Brazilians coming up here. Uh, they, they love their whiskey, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brazilians can party for sure. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. The uh I, I think a lot of people, you know, are kind of familiar with food pairings with wine, but what's what's kind of some good ways to pair food with whiskey? <clears throat> I, I would I would say that you're gonna look at that product in, in the same way you'll look at wine. Um so the the lighter the whiskey, the more lighter the food. And what's the worst food to pair with a whiskey? Like what's this just a disgusting combination? Cereal? <laughs> yeah, cheese puffs. I don't know. <laughs> although although I do like Cheetos in old number seven for some reason. I really do like Cheetos in old number seven. <laughs> do you dip the Cheeto in the shot glass? There you can you can sell that as like a little like a little combo pack. Start selling them. Lick your fingers, dude. Yeah. Whiskey's part of, you know, I mean 
when you're thinking about a culture, uh, you know, all of it came from overseas. Whiskey production in general all came from Scotland and Ireland and those people who were producing whiskey before we were even a country. And then whiskey in general settled in the Appalachian mountain range. They needed a way to make money for themselves and store their grain. And the best way for it to not go bad is to turn it into whiskey. And so it became bartering. Um, and there's huge Scotch-Irish influence in the Appalachian Mountains. And so <clears throat> Jack, when he learned how to make whiskey, he learned how to make whiskey just south of here. And uh, that technique moved up just about five miles where we've been making whiskey for 150 years. So you're not going to go wrong. Play with it, man. Life's too short not to try different things. When we're talking about food, just try it. If it doesn't work, guess what? You got tomorrow. So kind of getting on the travel theme, I know you've been around a lot. Do you travel specifically for whiskey? And uh, where, where has the best, best spirits outside of Tennessee? Yes, yes and no. I mean, I've sipped whiskey in the UK, uh, but that was on my previous job. Uh, I, I had no knowledge of what to be looking for before working here at Jack. Like, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I do travel around. I was in Baltimore a couple times this last year. I was in West Virginia this last year, but it's all for work. So when I'm actually there for work, I'm sipping our product. I'd like to go to bars and find old dusty bottles, you know, that they've been keeping through prohibition. If you have a chance to do that, find the oldest bar. Y'all are both in Colorado. Go to the oldest bar in Colorado and then find out if they have dusty bottles, bottles that somebody picked up somewhere to that bar that they're only going to give you an eyedropper of it's worth it they're never going to make that whiskey again that's a really good tip so we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to leadville and go to the oldest bar and ask what they've got yeah i gotta tell you man if i had a choice to go somewhere and i don't know if y'all looked this up uh have y'all heard about the uh the toe in alaska yeah wait, wait, what town is that in <laughs> I don't know, but I want to do that. What is it? Is it the is it the human toe thing? Let's let's get the background on that. People have started donating their toe upon, <laughs> upon death, and uh, the toe goes up there. It's like mummified, like in whiskey or something. And you've got to drink a shot and let the toe touch your lip. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Okay, so it's in Dawson City, Alaska, and this guy. <laughs> works as the toe master what a job and he takes care of the bar's donated human toes preserving them in rock salt and then putting them in his signature sour toe cocktail jesus well if anyone needs a toe transplant they can just go to dawson city alaska apparently they're just hoarding them up there i'm sure they got probably the best selection in the world you want a toe of any kind any color size i bet they got it all just gotta ask for the toe master and he'll hook you up <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would probably do it if I was there. I could probably get talked into that. Yeah, God, see, and I know that sounds weird, but it's just—I mean, you live once, right? It's like an eating contest at a restaurant where you get your face on the wall. It's like, and, and I don't have to pay for the drink. It's like if I drink a, a drink with like a human toe in it, give me, give, give me the eight buck drink for free and put my face on the wall at least. Like, give me something out of it. But did you see the toe? Did you look at the photo of the toe? Yeah, they're all decayed and disgusting. Not not exactly appetizing, I guess. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, they're 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 not beautiful model feet. All right. No, they're like the feet of rugged Alaskan 
silver miners, which have been working for the last 70 years in the woods. And those toes have seen some shit. But maybe maybe I can bring my own whiskey up there and he can pour some single barrel into that glass and I can drink it. Is it BYOT? Bring your own toe? I don't I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> bring your own toe in there. <laughs> I did do a shot of snake snake infused uh, tequila at the saloon in Caretro, Mexico once and it was that was interesting. Was it the venom? No, they actually had a, a jar behind the bar with a fat giant snake in it. <laughs> and so they just poured, like me and my buddy that I was with both did it. They just poured us two shots out of the jar. Oh, my God. And did it taste weird? Uh, to be perfectly honest, it was like 1 a.m. And we'd been drinking since probably happy hour time by that point. So I, I don't remember, but it was fine. I don't remember it being bad. I actually have a video of it on my Instagram. Dude, this is when you say, yes, it was snake venom, just, just for the content. Very well might have been. I will say that I cannot confirm that it was not snake venom. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a saying here, it's not ours, but don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Exactly. M- moving on, you guys host one of the more renowned barbecue contests. Is this something that like my buddy who loves to barbecue at his house can enter, or is this just big guys getting in there? So what happens is, and we do have some shady tree entries. So um, I don't know how to apply for that if if your buddy was interested. But tell your buddy to get into some, you know, regulation style barbecue competition. Get good because we are an invitational only. The way you end up at the jack is what we call it is by invitation. So this is like the World Series of barbecue eating. This is like the Super Bowl. Yeah, like everybody's competing just for the right to to win here at the Jack. Is it ribs? What kind of food? What, what's the quantity? What what are we? What am I looking at? Oh, it's the it's the whole thing. Yeah, brisket. You're talking about chicken. You're talking about ribs. We're talking about desserts as well. Ooh, uh, sauces. Yeah, it's the whole thing, dude. You think, Tim? You think your friend could win that, or what? Absolutely not. Has he? He's competed before, though, or no? No, definitely not. I think he'd be more interested in trying the other barbecue than than trying to see if he could stack up. Dude, I can kill somebody with my Boston butt. It's so hard when it comes off the smoker. I keep trying, though. It could be the amount of Jack I'm drinking while I'm smoking. Yeah, that tends to go into these things. But it smells amazing, guys. If you ever come. The uh, barbecue is right off the square, which is only about two or three blocks from the distillery. So you got the whiskey on one one side of you, and then you have the barbecue smoke from the other side. It's it's a festival down here. Can you buy a ticket to come and eat at this one? Um, I think I want to say it's open to the public. Um, Walk around. I think you do have to pay for samples or something like that. But it, the the park that it's held in is just open for the public. When you first mentioned this contest, I immediately my head immediately went to it was an eating contest, not a cooking contest. That's just that shows you where my head's at. I was like, oh my god, I can't even imagine like eating all this like barbecue. So that, that, that's where I was thinking this whole time. I now realize it's not that at all. But no, no, it's not a place where you can. The meat sweats, man. It's not a Brazilian barbecue. I was going to say, how many people have gotten heart attacks? I'm glad I didn't ask that before, or you would have been like, why would people get heart attacks cooking brisket? But yeah, y'all should plan to come down here. Let me uh, give y'all a walk around. Yeah, that sounds like a plan to me. Y'all never been to, to Jack Daniels? No, 
I have never been, no. Dude, it'd freaking change your life, man. It's funny because like I my drink palette, and I always talk about this on the podcast, is my drink palette is so unsophisticated. Like all I drink whenever I go like abroad or anywhere, I don't drink like local stuff. I literally just drink Jack and Cokes. And everyone gives me so much shit for it. And I mean even even like whiskey purists of that of that like country in Scotland, wherever they're like really like jack like you don't want like the local stuff and i'm like honestly i like jack i like i'm comfortable with it it's like it's good i just and that's like the one distillery that i probably yeah would actually really enjoy going to because that's my drink i will tell you this and uh, just to piggyback on what you said the reason you're comfortable with it is because <clears throat> guys no matter where in the world you're sipping our product it all comes from one place and one group of people is making sure it always tastes the same. There's no variance. So when you're drinking old number seven in the UK, for instance, when they crack that bottle open, it better smell, look and taste the way it does back at your house. Well, there's the, uh, the Guinness theory where that says the closer you get to Dublin, the better the Guinness tastes. So Jack Daniels, that Jack Daniels does not, there's no Lynchburg theory. No, there's no Lynchburg theory. And y'all can't see this, but Tim, your room looks like it's smoking up. Why is it cloudy in your room? I think it's just shitty lighting. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's probably it. I guess we are in Colorado after all. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, you should always be able to trust our whiskey. <laughs> the other thing that Evan has yet to admit is that he loves White Claw, and I'm wondering if there are any if there are if there are any drinking trends right now that you wish would die off and go away. What a pointed attack by Tim at me. Speaking of Spike Seltzer, is there any trends you wish would just die? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the seltzers are definitely moving in that direction. Are you strictly whiskey or is there anything else you kind of dabble in if the occasion calls for it? All right. No, I love I, I have like this standing mandate with my buddies. Not far from here, we go and have beer the first Friday of every month. We sit down, and I'll be honest with you, I like big beers. I like stouts. I like dark ales. I like IPAs. Um, if I'm out with my wife, then, yeah, it'll be like a wine because that's probably what she's going to be drinking depending on the meal. Um, but, yeah, I just don't like light. That's my whole thing. Don't give me a, a Natty Light or a Mick Ultra. Because uh, it'll probably get warm sitting there on the counter. But again, that old number seven just won't ever change. I mean, you can expect to be an old man talking to your grandkids about how, you know, you were drinking Jack and Coke back in the day, you know. Or Jack and Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed Tim's, Tim's not admitting to anything. I mean, you've broken the ice. Like claw. Tim's drinking habits are more socially acceptable than mine. <laughs> I, I called him out, but I mean, I will say that when I, I mean, I'm more of a craft beer guy these days. I like a good mezcal as well. I mean, I do live in Colorado, so I got to drink white or uh, craft beer a lot, but I drank a shitload of PBR when I was in college. That was definitely my thing. That's what I loved when I lived in the Springs. I mean, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a craft, you know, a brewery somewhere or a restaurant. They were brewing their own stuff. Yeah. What would happen, do you think, if a brewery tried to set up shop in Lynchburg? You could make like a movie about that. The competition aspect of like a little like mom and pop brewery sets up in uh in Lynchburg, Tennessee, just tries to be competing with uh with Jack. Well, to be honest with 
uh, from the standpoint of a distillery, we do have a micro distillery here in Lynchburg. Oh, yeah? Yeah, only about two blocks away. Is their slogan the second biggest whiskey maker in Lynchburg, Tennessee? <laughs> no, but it should be. It should. <laughs> Holy crap. Can you imagine? Yeah, you tried theirs. So try. I, I have to admit that I stole that from uh, – there was a brewery in Golden, Colorado where the Coors Brewery is. And it's in like a little tiny two-bedroom house. And it said – there's a bunch of breweries now, but they were the, – they were back when they were the only craft brewery there, their logo was – the second biggest brewery in Golden, Colorado. <laughs> what a great marketing scheme, dude. That is so awesome. Yeah. So we do a segment here at the end of the show where we have a reader submitted question that we pose to the guests and have them, we, we, then we discuss it with you. So it's, it's on theme for the week. This question is uh, submitted by Ron from Wyoming. And this is, this is what he says. I think you'll get a kick out of this one, actually. He says, I have a friend from back home in Laramie who loves to drink scotch to the point where he thinks anything else is blasphemy. The thing is, the guy has never been to Nashville, let alone Scotland. I'm not sure he's ever even seen the ocean. <laughs> what, is the, what is the deal with people that get so obsessed with a type of whiskey or any other drink for that matter, for no reason other than they think it makes them sound prestigious and knowledgeable? He, he said exactly what I was thinking. It's all about the clout he's walking around with because he likes a particular kind of scotch and it makes him feel better. Uh, yeah, the, the truth is um, you can say I'm biased and I am biased. I grew up here. I know the people here. I know the love for the brand here. And if you're he needs to take his buddy to at least go see the ocean. Holy cow, man. It's it's funny to me when you see people that are like, you know, you got like a 27-year-old dude that's like super staunch on his scotch. It's like, dude, you're not like old and wise. You can't just hold this on a pedestal when you've, you've never experienced anything, you know? Well, he, he met a guy once who, who looked the part and he's yeah. like, that's who I want to emulate. That's the guy I want to be. Yeah. It's about yeah. drink shaming, though, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is, man. People love drink shaming. As, as a Jack and Diet Coke and a White Claw guy, I know it very well. <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you that, and, and this is why I tell my groups, if I did not buy you that bottle, and I might have said this earlier, I have no right to tell you drink that whiskey. Yeah. And so he needs to expand. He might come back to Scotch and say, truly, that's what I like. But now he likes it because it was his choice. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was a decision he made on his own. I think he he was coerced into to, to liking that scotch. I'm a firm believer that everyone likes the basic no frills stuff, but there's also this need to drink shame people. So yeah. in, in your early 20s, I feel like people pick a random top shelf whiskey that they tried once in like college. And that becomes their shame drink and they order it whenever they want to show off and make you feel like shit for drinking like a normal person. And then they pull these like random words out of their ass to describe it like, but it's so smooth and the mahogany notes are so titillating, yeah. you know, to make themselves sound fancy. Like have fun drinking your $57 cocktail. I'm fine over here with my Jack and Coke. If they only knew that Jack has a full top shelf of whiskey that if exactly if they yeah. were to try it and then tell me that they don't like it, that's a whole different story. But boy hasn't seen Nashville or God forbid the ocean. 
yeah, you need to take him out of his town and that man needs to live. It's it's funny. I'm reminded of when I was a teenager, I made a list of a bunch of beers that I wanted to like drink, you know, and on that list was like Heineken <laughs> and like, you know, like Rolling Mick, it, it, it was like I had no fucking clue what I was talking about. You know, I was like 19 years old, you know, but I was trying to sound like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like experience all of these beers. But it was like the worst it was like the the beers that you could find in any suburban town anywhere in the world <laughs> we're back on the white cloth yeah yeah or that or that all right jed well hey thank you so much for taking the time to join us man i really appreciate it uh it was my pleasure and y'all have to come to nashville come down to jack daniels and let me give you a trip around the distillery all right we're gonna do that man yeah absolutely all right thank all right. you all right cheers All right, well, that certainly makes me want to go out and buy a giant bottle of Jack and a giant bottle of Diet Coke, but I'm trying to exercise some self-restraint right now, and we'll get right into hot takes. You ready, Tim? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. What is the most embarrassing alcohol you've ever gotten really fucked up on? I would. I think Kahlua would be the answer to that question. And it was at Just a party. Kahlua. It was, yeah, it was at a party when I was in high school, and actually, I have a photo uh, a photo. Actually, it might be ba- it was Kahlua and Bailey's, I believe, we, is what we had that night. Okay, I think mine would be a drink that I made up called the Strawberry Surprise. And yes, Tim, it is exactly as fruity and girly as it sounds. Uh, it's basically, oh man, what's in it? Uh, strawberry vodka, peach schnapps, lemonade, and a dash of Sprite if you're trying to get real wild. High school in a glass right there. It's, it sneaks up on you. If you People will be like, so what are you drinking? And then there I am holding this impossibly pink drink saying, it's a strawberry surprise, bro. But I mean, I'll, I'll stand by it forever. Um, so, all right. I've already talked about the strawberry surprise too much in public. So next question. If you weren't a travel writer, Tim, what profession would you choose? And you can't say musician. Uh, I don't know. I would probably just be like a copywriter or, uh, no writing, Tim. We're not, no writing. We're done with writing. I, I, I'm not very good at anything else. I would probably still be working. I would probably be working at a ski resort is what I would be doing. I would probably still be working food and beverage at a ski resort. That's your dream job. Like that's what you would want to be doing ultimately. Well, I'm trying to be realistic here and thinking about my lack of skills in like 95% of fields. And the fact that I would not do well at all in like a basic office corporate situation. I'd probably be a professional eater. I don't know if I like, I don't have the skill set for it, but that's where my head was at the entire time we we're talking about the barbecue contest. And if I could like, if I had the metabolism for it, which I don't know that I do and the discipline. Well, have you seen that guy that did like 10 or 15 years ago, a hot dog eating contest against a bear and he lost yeah. Wasn't that Kobayashi? I think so. I mean, he was basically eating like two at a time, eating them. And the bear was just being a bear and like eating all of them at once. But like he was eating so efficiently that he put down however many, you know, a couple dozen hot dogs or whatever by the time the bear got through his pile. Yeah. Okay. I might change mine now from professional eater to just, I want to, I would like to beat a bear in any eating contest. doesn't matter what it is, hot dogs, pizza, whatever. Because imagine like what a resume builder, just not imagine submitting your resume to a new job and there's nothing on it except defeated 
black bear in pizza eating contest 2015 you know and that's it and i mean how how could you not respect that i just think that if you have that's like a lifelong cover photo on all of your social media channels is you and it, in in the next in the next crate is a bear it's like you table hot dogs bear table hot dogs oh my god what a great tinder photo that would be Talk about just a conversation starter and a conversation ender potentially for a lot of girls. Yeah. All right. On the other side, number one, Eben, if you were to find a girlfriend who also only drinks Jack Daniels, is that a nightmare scenario or a match made in heaven? I think being someone who drinks Jack and Cokes all the time and fucking seltzers, I'm not really in any position to judge what other people drink. So no, I think she could drink whatever she wants. I was kind of thinking like, if you guys are both just slamming whiskey all the time, that it could get a little, you know, fiery. But under the assumption that whiskey like makes you combative. Yes, but you of all of all the people I know that drink whiskey, you're probably the least combative. Yeah, I don't really act differently when drinking different alcohols. I think, uh, except rum. Rum makes me sad. But I'll say this: I think the girls who drink whiskey strike me as a little cooler. Agreed. Because. It's not considered a very girly drink, whiskey. It's not low-cal like Claws or Vodka Seltzers. So to me, a girl who orders whiskey is also potentially more confident in herself, less concerned with what other people think, maybe a little more judgment-free. Okay, uh, next question. If you were on a booze cruise that only served Mai Tais and beer, which one would you drink? Mai Tais. Not even a question. So you're just not a not a beer guy. In pretty much every situation, I'll choose mixed drinks over beer. Always. It's really just a matter of figuring out the pacing because whereas I can drink nine or ten Bud Lights over the course of a booze cruise, you can't do that with my ties. So I just have to pace myself differently. Or, you know, I just do one strawberry surprise and get to the same level. I'm telling you, it, it does the trick. Strawberry vodka, peach schnapps, lemonade, and if you're Really trying to get feisty. Sprite. Strawberry Surprise, official drink of no blackout dates. Check it out. All right, last question. Closing it out right on topic here. Why do you love Jack Daniels so much? Okay, I think the best way to explain it is it's just a solid base that you can mix with pretty much anything. My old roommates and I used to make what we'd call mashers, which would basically be Jack mixed with whatever random shit we found in our liquor cabinet that other people had left behind. We do Jack mix with all kinds of random stuff, a vodka, Kahlua, Fireball, McGillicuddy's, Purple Arrow, uh, orange soda. <laughs> Didn't matter. All at once, and it always tasted pretty good. You know when you were like a little kid at a restaurant, and at the end of like the meal, you take everyone's unfinished drinks and pour them into one glass just for fun? That's basically what this is, except you actually drink it. All right. Well, I feel like Jed would approve, and we are going to leave it on that note. Thank you so much for listening. If you have anything you want to say to us directly, shoot us an email, noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com. We want your questions. We want your stories. We also want you to head over to Apple, leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you think about your favorite high school cocktail. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>